Hello, this is Tony Award winner John Lloyd Young. Next up on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining me for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 484 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have the award-winning singer-actor from Jersey Boys on Broadway and the star of Clint Eastwood's Jersey Boys, John Lloyd Young, is going to be joining us here on On Screen and Beyond. He has a performance coming up on February 1st at the Orinda Theater, in Orinda, California, right outside of San Francisco. So if you're in that area, all you have to do is hop on the BART, and it takes you right to the Orinda Theater, and you can uh, enjoy a great show. And it's in a theater, the Orinda Theater, that has 180 seats. So talk about being right there in the middle of it. You just can't miss this show. So if you're in that area, be sure to check it out. Well... What do you say? It's uh, time for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. And uh, like I said, it's 484. And we're getting right into Remake Madness on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness? Well, the reboot or remake of Spawn is heading to be a hard-rated, R-rated movie. And that's what Todd McFarlane, the creator of Spawn, has says. That's what his vision is for the film. And the remake of the 70s film Superfly is in the works at Sony. Trevor Jackson will star, and Jason Mitchell has also joined the cast. And Kevin Hart, well, he's going to be starring in the movie The Great Outdoors. Now, that's a remake of the film which John Candy starred in originally, and Kevin Hart will be taking over that role. And that's it for Remake Madness coming up next on On Screen and Beyond. What's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies? Upcoming new movies, Annie Potts will star in the film called Happy Anniversary. It's a comedy that follows a couple deciding whether to stay together or call it quits on their third anniversary. And Ernie Hudson will star in an action crime drama called The Family Business. Also, Julia Roberts is starring in Ben is Back, and that's a drama, and she plays Ben's mom. And that's it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sequel City, well, it looks like on May 25th, Solo, A Star Wars Story will fly into theaters. And the newly released synopsis 
talks about Han Solo's new adventure with daring escapades with a dark and dangerous criminal underworld. And Solo also meets Chewie for the first time, along with Landau Calrissian. Creed 2 will have Romanian boxer Florian Big Nasty Montinu as the son of Ivan Draco, who played uh, was played, of course, by Dolph Lundgren, and he will reprise that role in the Rocky story. Drago killed Creed's father, Apollo Creed, in the ring. And uh, looks like they're heading into a fight there. Sylvester Sloan, he is uh, hinting that social on social media that the Expendables 4 is back on. And we'll see if there's an official announcement on that. But that's what he's uh, tweeting out. And that's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, it looks like Bosom Buddies, the complete series with Tom Hanks, will be coming our way on February 6th. The Guardian, the complete series, will be landing on DVD from CBS Home Entertainment and Paramount Home Media on February 6th. And The War of the Worlds, the complete series, also arrives on February 6th. And finally, on February 6th, everything's coming our way on that date, the Jackie Gleason Show in color will be arriving from Time Life. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen to Be On, finding out what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, February 13th, Disney Pixar's Coco hits digital release. And on Blu-ray, you can look for that on February 27th. February 20th, Thor Ragnarok slams into digital HD and 4K UHD, and then on March 6th, it makes its way to Blu-ray and 4K Ultra uh, HD. And February 20th, Murder on the Orient Express rides into digital format, and on February 27th, it'll hit uh, the uh, solid things, like Blu-ray and DVD and uh, 4K UHD. And that's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, it looks like Harry and Meghan, the royal love story, is the title of an upcoming Lifetime movie. No date for the showing yet. And let's see, it's no surprise, but The Walking Dead has been renewed for Season 9. And Michael J. Fox will join Designated Survivor for the second half of Season 2. It returns on February 28th at 10 o'clock Eastern Time on ABC. That's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen to Be On, it's Celebrity Birthdays. We baked you a birthday cake. If you get a tummy ache and you moan and groan and woe, don't forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> Celebrity Birthdays on January 19th, Dolly Parton turns 72. Katie Seagal turns 64. On uh, January 20th, Rain Wilson turns 52. January 21st, Gina Davis turns 62. January 22nd, John Wesley Shipp, who, of course, was a guest here at On Screen and Beyond quite a while ago. He turns 63. And on January 23rd, Richard Dean Anderson, MacGyver, turns 68. And on January 24th, Neil Diamond turns 77. And January 25th, Alicia Keys turns 37. 
That's it for celebrity birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, January 23rd, Antonio N. from Des Moines, Iowa, turns 49. If you, a friend or a relative, are going to be having a birthday and want to hear it here and let everybody who listens to On Screen or Beyond wish you a very happy birthday, send me the information at feedback at onscreenorbeyond.com. We'll get that information out to everybody, and we'll all wish you a very happy birthday. And that's it for Celebrity and Listener Birthdays. Next on On Screen and Beyond, John Lloyd Young is going to be joining us. Tony Award winner for his role as Frankie Valley in Jersey Boys on Broadway and also the star of Clint Eastwood's version of film version of Jersey Boys. John Lloyd Young. He's got a performance coming up on February 1st at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California. At 7.30 in a seating of 180 seats. It's going to be a fantastic show. John Lloyd Young, he's next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond is an actor and singer who we have seen on stage, TV, and silver screen. He won a Tony Award for his role as Frankie Valley on Broadway in Jersey Boys, as well as reprising the role in Clint Eastwood's movie version. On Thursday, February 1st, he will be performing at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California at 7.30 p.m. in a show that you do not want to miss. It's John Lloyd Young. John, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Hello. Nice to be here. Now, John, this is going to be an amazing show. Um, it's it's in a, a theater that has 180 seats, so it's very intimate. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the show? The show is, well, first of all, the Arinda Theater is a gorgeous Art Deco throwback movie theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so dur- doing a, a live a live concert, in a space like that will be a really special experience. Um, it sort of reminds me of uh, those scenes from the beginning of that uh, Piaf movie it, when Eddie Piaf is in front of a big uh, red curtain and just one microphone mm-hmm. singing souls and tearing her heart, heart out. feels to me like there's no way to escape the, uh, the throwback feeling or the uh, hearkening back to a more classic era in a space that's like that. So our songs are going to be as though we're grabbing them out of the past and bringing them alive right right wow. there in front of everyone. Yeah. And now do you do, I, I know you travel all over the United States, or maybe even further than that, but uh, are many of your shows as intimate as this one's going to be? Some of them are, gasp, <laughs> um, more intimate even. Really? Um, I've I've done I've done a I've done a set in a in an ambassador's living room in Washington D.C. Um, for people sitting in in chairs around you know just regular living room chairs wow. uh, for <laughs> twenty people so and uh, you know played Clint Eastwood's private golf club in Carmel um, which is, was a small uh, ballroom of maybe a hundred people so I'm used to playing smaller rooms and I like to play smaller rooms. I, I think that nowadays, especially when, when you get out and see something live, it's really not as special as it could be unless it does have that feeling of a special event that you can't get uh, sitting at home listening to a podcast or 
reading your phone or watching streaming. It's 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 an, an opportunity to come together. Clearly, my contribution is a little more stress-inducing because I I'm standing up there in front of the people, but we're all living, breathing human beings in the same room, um, surrounding the same music uh, and experiencing the same the same thing. And uh, I I just think it's a joyful thing to do, and it's it's better when it's not a thousand people. It's better when it's 180. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know if this is a, a, a secret that you, you keep until the day of the show, but uh, can you give us an idea of some of the songs you'll be singing? I have, I, you know, my music director, Tommy Farragher, and I, we travel around the country doing this set, uh, sometimes just him and me together on, on piano um, and, a, and, a, and a microphone, which is the, how that's what we're going to do on a grand piano at the Arenda Theater. Um, and, and we, we have dozens and dozens of songs now in our repertoire. So the ones we've chosen for Orinda, uh, kind of are going to help us to create that environment of, uh, honoring the throwback environment we're going to be in oh. this beautiful old theater. We're going to pick songs out of the past that are lush and beautiful, like the theater, mm-hmm. like, uh, unchained melody, for example, uh. or. Only you. There'll there'll be some of the songs from Jersey Boys, of course, too, because they fit that bill. Mm-hmm. Um, highly dramatic, romantic songs and some good, fun, up-tempo ones too, like uh, Mel Carter's uh, "Hold Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me" is one that we mm-hmm, will yes. be doing. Um, and that's probably the song I'll sing when I walk out into the aisles and meet the audience. So, which I try to do everywhere I perform. Um, that's a nice rousing one, and I, I just think it's uh, we when we do uh, the older, more classic songs, we like to think of them as sort of the ghosts coming out of the walls and um, that period coming alive again right in front of everybody um, in the present time, and mm. that's that's our concept for this show. Yeah. Boy, I wish I could be there because <laughs> I've been to the theater many times and uh, I, I, I can picture it. And it's, it's just going to be an amazing show to have you in such a small setting and, and hear you singing. It's going to be amazing. We're really, Tommy and I both are really looking forward to to this. And, um, you know, Tommy played the White House piano at the White House uh, during the Obamas. So, uh, we sang that set. Um, for all of the leaders of the country, and when they were hosting the um, the, the prime minister of Japan, and uh, and playing you know, old songs in on a beautiful piano in front of a group of you know power brokers was <laughs> this is that we're we're looking at this experience as the same kind of a feeling. We we've spent just me and Tommy on a piano several times before. And um, we already know how well it goes over in a small room like that. So we're really, really, this is going to feel very luxurious to us to be able to play this kind of a space. Mm -hmm. Now, did you ever imagine, I mean, (laughs) when you were a kid growing up in in California, that you would be singing in front of presidents? You know, I mean, it's, I I can't even imagine. No, I I can't, and it's a, it, actually being a singer and 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 one who's well known for a very famous show is such a privilege, especially in in a time that is just so divided. Uh, 
I mean, I, I, my first experience singing in front of leaders was under Bush one and then the Obamas and the Clintons and the, and even, uh, vice president Pence a month after the inauguration, Tommy and I were doing a set for him. It's a, there's nothing more bipartisan than song. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's, uh, it's, it really has been, um, Jersey Boys, and then the, and then the time afterward has just been a, a gift that's that's kept on giving, um, and it is just a wonderful way to engage with people to to sing songs that we all love. Yeah. yeah. Now, with the Jersey Boys, um, can you give us an idea how you got involved with that? I was an actor doing solid, but kind of under the radar work in New York for probably about five to six years um, before I even had the audition for Jersey Boys. Um, and and then it took about six more auditions before they gave me the role. It was never a, a sure thing until the very end. I'd done my final callback. I was, it was so nervous. I went into a a bookstore, a, a theater-centric bookstore that's in, in, the, in the Broadway district in New York, and I, I sat down in a chair, just kind of exhausted after six, seven auditions, and ex- exhaled. And on the in-store radio, one of the audition songs that I had to do, which was an obscure Frankie Valley song, was a vocal jazz song, Moody's Mood for Love. It came in on the house speakers, mm-hmm. and I thought. I just got this part. <laughs> I took it as a sign, and and uh, and lo and behold, later later that afternoon, actually, they called and said I had the offer. Wow. Hmm. Now, you you were born in what mid seventies, something like that. Uh, you, you know, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons by that time had pretty much gone past their peak and then of course they came back with a couple more songs after that but were you at all a fan i mean you you were just a baby when you know back back when they were in their their prime or or even you weren't even born when they were in their prime but uh were you a fan of their music at all before you even looked at the role i knew almost every song once i got the part and started looking through the scripts i realized i knew almost every song Mm-hmm. Um, even even I didn't know necessarily that it was their songs. Yeah. For, for my generation of Americans, uh, when I was a child, it, Grease was already a, a hit movie, mm-hmm. and um, it took a while for it to become one. But but by the time my eyes were opening to the world, um, the Grease was already a movie that all all the kids would watch. And so I knew Frankie Valley from the Grease theme. Um, I knew the voice mm-hmm. from the Grease theme um, and put together the other pieces later. Of course, Cherry and Working My Way Back to You and some of those uh, huge songs, of course, Can't Take My Eyes Off You, were just part of the fabric of America. So oh, yeah. when when I saw them all in the scripts together, I said, oh, well, I know this one, I know this one. You know, there were a couple dozen songs at least um, in that script. And I would say maybe three or four were unfamiliar to me at the time of um, getting the part and starting to prepare it. I, long story short, or short story long, rather, the answer to your question is, I knew Frankie Valli and was a fan of his st- songs without really knowing I was a fan of mm-hmm. Frankie Valli. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the music is so great. Uh, were you involved with any of the touring, or were you strictly on the Broadway show? Well, I did the original production of the broad of Broadway for the first two years. Mm-hmm. Um, later on in its run, I went back and did it again. Um, uh, played the part again on Broadway. I also opened the show in London at the Piccadilly Theater, and um, and then of course did the film. But I, I never did touring uh, production of it. The closest that I've ever come to. Um, delivering Jersey Boys to an, an out-of-town audience is these is the, the few songs that I sing in these concerts that I, I do uh, around the country. Yeah, yeah, because I saw the show in Chicago, and uh, you know, I mean, the, the show was just an amazing show. I mean, there's not much you can say, you know, about it because the music is just so much uh, part of my life, anyways. <laughs> and uh, but uh, it's you know, um, now were you, you were from the in the in the movie, of course, you were from the Broadway people. Uh, were any of the other people from any of the other areas that played, or was everybody from the Broadway show, or were some people not even in the shows in the film? Most most people in the film, um, in fact, a, a large large amount of people in the film, more than um, is I think precedented for uh, Hollywood movie adaptations especially by someone as famous as Clint Eastwood, the, the a very large group of people in the movie were had done the stage production somewhere. Ah, uh, okay. So um, three of the four of us core characters had done tours or Vegas or Broadway. Um, three of the actors in the actual film were in the original Broadway cast. And, um, and the woman who plays my wife in the movie Renee Marino was playing my wife in the Broadway show when I went back to do it and um, five years in and that was actually the cast that Clint Eastwood saw so he actually saw the actress that he cast um, in the role of my wife in the movie he had seen her do that with me on stage in New York Mm. now did you have to audition for the film or was Clint Picking and choosing who we wanted. I was lucky enough to not have to audition. My stage performance was my audition for him. Wow! So, um, you know, I breathed a sigh of relief because <laughs> it's the best. That's, I mean, it's the best for someone to see you doing on the stage. Um, you know, doing the performance that you want a Tony for. It's, I would, I would think that Clint Eastwood got to see me in, in the domain that I was the master of, um, and then I got to enter the domain he was the master of. So mm-hmm. yeah. it was a very satisfying uh, experience to, to, you know, to check off on uh, the to-do list of your life. <laughs> yeah, not many people are going to get that opportunity <laughs> in, on their bucket list. Yeah. No, well, it can be in the bucket list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and hit a lot of... Um, care of a lot of goals at once working for Mr. Eastwood. Yeah, yeah. What was it like? I mean, was he, was he, I mean, since you had done the, sh- the show so many times on Broadway, uh, what was it, I, I just can't figure out what he did, you know, I mean, you knew the role, you knew what was going on. Was it a big change from the Broadway play to the movie? Uh, yeah, because that was his vision for it, and and it was different than what we did on stage. Mm-hmm, he went, yeah. he went, um, 
you know, it was real, really a Clint Eastwood movie. If you watch it and compare it to the other, other films he's done, it's, you've got a lot of the hallmarks of Clint Eastwood style on this. So for me, it was very satisfying to be able to do it, something that I knew so well and, and uh, approach it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, with Clint at the helm. And then he trusted that we understood our um, characterizations um, and that we understood our characters really well because we had lived and inhabited them. So, so many performances meant many of us, most of the leads in the, in the movie had explored these characters, uh, over, a, in, in some cases, a period of years. Right. Yeah. Wow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, what was it like when you you found out you were up for a Tony? Uh, you know, when you, when you're in New York and you're doing a, a hit show, it is such a treadmill, and you got to keep the ball up in the air. Um, it's it's exhausting and exhilarating work. So, um, a nomination for something like a Tony it, for a, when you're in, in a hit show, you know, Jersey Boy is sort of like the Hamilton of its time, right? Yeah. You know. Um, when something's moving that fast, it's just one other amazing thing that happens along the way. So you find out, you know, uh, for example, the day that I found out I had a Tony nomination, we also had um, President Bill Clinton in the audience. And uh, then we had a performance that day where we were uh, police escorted over to Carnegie Hall to perform for the CBS executives who were in town for the upfront presentations for the next season of their shows. So we were performed on Carnegie Hall and then were police escorted right back to our theater where the audience was waiting at intermission uh, for us to get back. You know, this is all the same day. Wow. So it was uh, for that first year, for the first year of, I think, any real big hit show, it's just a whirlwind of things. It's like being on a high-speed train across the country and seeing all these cities you've wanted to see, but only being able to point at them through the window and say, Oh, wow, Hey, there's the Chicago skyline. And then you're on to something else. Right. Um, you got, you kind of have to look back and, uh, reassess down the line when you're not in the show anymore. And, mm-hmm. and, and then, uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, astonishing to see all the things that happened. The, yeah. the Tony was one of many experiences that was uh, you know, life-changing. I'm sure, yeah. And what was it like? But it's only one day. Yeah. <laughs> then you win a Tony, it's only one day of your life, and then it's back to work. Right, yeah. But what's it like when you're sitting there and you know, you're on, they're showing the Tonys on TV, and, and you know they've named the nominees – and you know that the camera is on all you know all the people who have been nominated, and you're all waiting to to hear who is has won. Uh, what was it like? What do, what do you, what's going through your mind? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, well, well, you know the camera's on you, so what's going through my mind then was if you, if you don't win, uh, stay gracious. And, right. <laughs> uh, but, the, but honestly, um, I'm... There, you know, the Tony was the last of several accolades for Jersey Boys, and it was such a runaway hit and, um, that I, I, I kind of had a feeling that I would win. So I, I, I was prepared to. I didn't expect to, but I was prepared to. Mm -hmm. So I was already thinking about how will I get to the stage and say what I need to say. If I have the chance to say what I need to say, I've got. It. I was thinking about the next thing, which is. Are the words going to come out of your mouth if you have to go up there and accept this? And so, um, uh, I was planning. <laughs> I was nervous about the next thing while I was waiting for, uh, you know, to find out whether I'd get to go up there and right. actually talk. Yeah. Did you ever get the chance to meet Frankie Valley? Several times over the years, it wouldn't be impossible not to. Um, right, that's what I figured, but I just would, didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh the, i mean what a what a wonderful thing to have happened in his career uh late in his life to have a, a mega musical about your life all over the world suddenly mm. in your you know your seventh or eighth decade of life <laughs> i mean right. that, that must have been breathtaking for him so uh it certainly changed his life for for the better and of course He's very prosperous, very proud, and has a lot to be proud of. Yeah. Do you guys ever sing together? E even just uh, horsing around, no. not necessarily on stage, but I mean, you know, do you ever sing one nope. of the songs? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, I mean, that's his domain, you know. I played him on Broadway. I kept my singing there, and he's actually the singing artist who's still, still out there touring. So. Right. Still, I mean, even now, I think he has about 200 dates a year. So, um, yeah, I, I've, I've got plenty to do on my side, and he's got, and he's got a his career, which is even more robust now after Jersey Boys than um, than it was before. Oh, I'm so sure that's an injection. Happy, happy time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So uh, now, after all the movie and the, and the Broadway play and everything, um, what do you got going on now? Now I'm taking these concerts out on the road. I played um, the Arenda Theater on February 1st, and I played in uh, the Carlisle Hotel in New York City in the middle of February. And then I'm in Vegas March 2nd and March 3rd at a new space called The Space. So I'm taking... Um, I'm taking my, my music out on the road. Um, Tommy and I are writing original material also. Depending on the venue, we sing more or less of the original material. Um, we're working on putting a new album together. We, we have an album out, out already called My Turns. There's a lot of the great throwback R&B hits from the 60s and 70s, many of which I'll sing at Arinda. And... Um, a lot of the new material or covers of uh, great classic material that we've been singing the last several years are, you know, we're paying attention to how they go over with audiences in all different parts of the country and deciding what's going to go on the next album. So mm -hmm. at this point, um, concerts and, and keeping our ear to the audiences we're playing for to see which, which songs we're going to put on our next uh, recording project. Wow. That's great. Um, now, uh, I've talked about uh, 
the stage and the silver screen. Now, uh, TV. Some people might not know, but you've been on a couple of TV shows, and uh, Glee was one of them, right? Right up at the beginning of, uh, of, of that show, I think it was actually probably the first person to ask to be a guest star over, over dinner with uh, Ryan Murphy way before all of this stuff happened. So um, there, there were high hopes for that show, but no one knew it would be the hit it was right. even when I signed up. No, it was not yet that, that show that everybody wanted to be on. It was brand new. Mm-hmm. No one knew anything about it. And look what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. yeah. So you uh, you actually went on, and uh, one of the, I'm trying to think if I re- the things I read about you uh, didn't one of the songs you go reach number one on the Billboard charts. Well, Tommy Farragher, my music director, got a number one hit, the only number one hit that we had of all the hundreds of things that they produced mm-hmm. and covered. Um, Tommy's track for uh, Teenage Dream, which does not something I did, but that's that's one of Tommy's credits. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so he produced the album My Turn, songs from which we'll we'll sing at Arinda. Um, but yeah, that's uh, one of Tommy's distinctions is having the only number one hmm. Billboard hit uh, of all of his songs from Glee. The only one that hit number one was Tommy's. Wow. Now and he produced it. Yeah. With, with all the music that you do, the different styles of music, um, do you have a, a personal favorite that, you know, if you're listening to music, that you listen to more than, you know, are you, are you a, a, a Kiss fan or, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I like, my, my favorite is um, R&B ballads and um, just really, I like... Uh, I like when a, a singer shares their blood and guts and, and all those messy feelings of life. So, um, Eddie Piaf, uh, Adele, Amy Winehouse, um, Dusty Springfield, singers that are really just, well, I mean, if you give a really, really great audition or performance, sometimes actors say they, they gave blood. Mm-hmm. And I think if the, the singers who really give blood. Yeah. Yeah. You would have thrown me for a loop if you had said you were a heavy metal fan or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like a lot. I like a lot of things, but actually, I, I prefer I prefer getting behind the mic more than I do listening to mm-hmm. to other things. So, um, you know, I'm happy. I'm happiest when I'm getting to interpret uh, songs or sing um, my own my own material. Um, I'm happiest when I'm up there actually making the music. Right. Yeah. Well, John, uh, I want to finish up with two final questions, but before we go into those, I just want to remind everybody that uh, on February 1st, if you are in the San Francisco area, and you can take the BART right to the Orinda Theater. I mean, you can walk from the BART station to the Orinda Theater, and there's going going to be an amazing show. They should go see it. It's a 180-seat theater. It's going to be up close and personal. You, you can't get any better than that. There's still some seats available, so they still have time. And on February 1st at 7.30, they should definitely go see this show. And we'll be meeting everyone afterward, too. Um, so there'll be an opportunity to say hello to new people I haven't met before. And I, that's one of, my, one of my favorite things to do is to meet the audience afterwards. So uh, there'll be an opportunity afterward as well. Great, great. But now the final two questions. 
taking us away from your your acting, your singing, and everything else you've done. Um, when you sit back and relax, what do you watch on TV? What are your favorite TV shows now and of the past? And what are your favorite movies now and of the past? Uh, well, I was a huge Star Wars fan as a kid. Ah. <laughs> so I was very happy this month that the next installment came out. The, the, the first of these next installments that came out a couple of years ago, for me, was like the, the sequel I didn't realize I'd been waiting 30 years to see. <laughs> so I, w- I was a kid all over again two years ago when the, when the new Star Wars came out. So mm-hmm. I'm very happy to go to the movies this holiday season, see the new one. Um, I, on streaming, I just got really got into that uh, glow, gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I was, when I was a kid growing up in New York, dreaming of Broadway, I'd stay up late at night and watch Saturday Night Live and late night television, and Glow was on, I think, after that. And I remember thinking it was fascinating. So this uh, comedy that's that's streaming now on Netflix, I, I found that really enjoyable. Just binge-watched the first season. I haven't caught that. And I like, I like Homeland and, uh, you know, uh, sort of political intrigue kind of stories. I have a vicarious interest in Washington, D.C., and so I like anything that's sort of like CIA and law enforcement and intrigue. Do you have a favorite film? Man of Mystery. Yeah. The the Godfather. Ah, okay. (laughs) The Godfather, maybe Die Hard. Yes, yes. Yeah. Probably up there, although that's what a cliche answer for someone who's known for playing a, an Italian American right. icon. Of course, <laughs> I would say The Godfather, wouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I, John, I, I can't thank you enough for joining us and talking about the uh, performance that you'll be having on February first at the Orinda Theater in California and uh, outside of San Francisco at seven thirty. Everybody should be sure to join, uh, you know, join in and go see you and have a, a great show to see. And uh, I, I thank you so much for sharing with us. I'm so happy to talk to you and, and send my best to your fellow Mainers. I, I have warm memories of my first summer stock jobs there in Maine right out of, right out of undergrad. So um, I miss it. <laughs> but not right now in the depths of January. <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, all best to you. And thanks, thanks again for the chat. It was a lot of fun. Big thank you going out to John Lloyd Young for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And if you are in the San Francisco Bay Area, go to Orinda, to the Orinda Theater, right off the bar. You can can walk right from there, right to the theater. And on February 1st at 7.30, he is going to be there singing up a storm in a 180-seat theater. So intimate. It's going to be a great show. Be sure to check it out. He'll be singing all kinds of great songs. Just go to the Orinda Theater, type it in, Google it, whatever. It'll get you all the information, and uh, you can check that out. going to be a great show. And we are getting into uh, the end of this episode of On Screen and Beyond. We've got a lot of things going on, and I hope you're going to be joining us for our next episode of On Screen and Beyond. And if you are on Facebook, be sure to like us. If you are on iTunes, leave us a review. That'll help us out. And if you have a suggestion for a guest, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. We'll see what we can do about getting that person on. And that's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next week, when do we once again take you 
on screen and beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. Take care. Thank you.